All right, everybody, get off the platform. I got something I got to say, so go ahead. No, I'm, just, I'm just, I'm playing with you. I'm just playing with you. Hallelujah. Victor, hey, you're looking good, bro. Man, you're about the only one I know up here. But I, I want to know everybody else, too. I appreciate y'all. How you doing, man? Good. How's Sarah? You got any babies yet? What, what I want to know, are you working on it? Babies, babies are just a byproduct of working on it. So you got to work on it. What's wrong with you guys? Praise the Lord. Did you know how those children are born that way? That's how they come. You know, I first looked up here and saw, saw Alex this morning. I looked up there and I says, how did Barb, how did that wonderful daughter of mine hire Vincent Onofrio? You guys don't know Vincent Onofrio, do you? Yeah, he's an actor. Does anybody know? You don't know Vincent? You people are the boringest people on the planet, I swear. Have you been told that before, Alex? No, you haven't? Well, let's sketch that one off the list. We'll have to go down that road no more, so we'll worry about that one. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Look him up. Not now, but look him up later. Vincent Onofrio, great actor, been around a long time, and he's big just like Alex. And I saw, honey, you know who he is, Vincent Onofrio? Is it a movie? You're in the same movie room I'm in every night, and you don't, okay. All right, look at me. When you look him up, you'll say, oh, yeah, of course. Have you got him? There's Vincent Onofrio right there. That's Vincent Onofrio. He looks like him, doesn't he? Look at, look at all, all, all the cell phones are going, oh, my God. I told you not to do that. You did it anyway. Praise the Lord. Well, it's a joy to be with you. I, I mean that the depths of my heart. We are, we are so excited. We haven't been able to fly. We haven't been able to, you know, the drive out here is just like, it's crazy. It's three days to get here by car. I would do it, but my wife don't love you enough for me to do that. She says, I'm not driving with those people. I ain't driving that far for nobody. Pinocchio. <laughs> but no, we, we, it's a long drive. So we, and plus, you know, they, they, they kind of made us bunker down, didn't they? Man, I'd never seen anything like that in my life. I'm thinking, what is happening? What is going on in our country? You know, and I'm good friends with a lot of great men of God, and I so appreciate all of them. But, you know, it's amazing to me because a friend of mine, the other day, put this out, and I, I was just so blessed by it that I wanted to share it with you because I think, you know, I think you're all doing really good here in the church, Pastor Barb. You, you guys are doing fantastic. You're doing awesome because there's some churches that still won't even open because they're just like, ah, knees are rattling and shaking and all that kind of stuff. Now, listen, the future of the church attendance, church attendance, will be determined by either fear or faith. I love that, man. Uh, with a quote-unquote church from a distance being set forth as a viable substitute for in-person participatory worship. Church from a distance is so deceptively attractive because it caters to the ease, comfort, and convenient goals of today's society. However, early on in the pandemic, parents have already discovered that school from home, not homeschooling in general, has resulted in subpar education. 
Corporations have discovered that working from home has resulted in subpar, subpar productivity. Physicians have discovered that telemedicine has resulted in sicker patients. Churches are about to discover the very same things. Church from a distance is anti-fellowship, anti-assembly, anti-congregational. We must not surrender this vital function of the body of Christ in these darkening days. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, you all are here, so you don't even care because you're coming to church anyway. We appreciate that. But there are so many, you know, out there that just are, are walking, and I feel sorry for them. I really do because I know, like you, in the very beginning, we were gripped, weren't we? Like, we're gripped. My gosh, we got, we got to cover this. We got, then they said, don't cover. Then they said, do cover. Then they said, don't. Then they said, do. And don't touch. But if you do touch, touch from six feet away, which is impossible. You know, you can't gather together in church because that, you can't do that because it will spread. But if you get on a plane, it's cool. Or you have to put a mask on to walk 10 feet to be led by the hostess to take a seat with a party of eight. And when you sit down, all the mask comes off. So magically, the COVID goes away when you eat. Isn't that wonderful? So what's the point of that? The point is this, and you're going to love this. You're going to love this. We just eat all the time. <laughs> you just never stop eating. Just eat and eat and eat. Now, we're going to get bigger, but bigger is better. Come on now. So, you know, so we get all bent out of shape, and, we get, and then fear grips. Listen, I had that same thing grip me. Because, see, I'm not as young as most of you. And our age group is like, you know, you are going to die. If you go outside, you will die. If you, you, know, if you don't have a mask, you will die. You know, if you're over, you know, 40. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But if you're a certain age, you know, and if you had a, another problem on top of that, then you're going to die. And you hear that enough, and it's like, well, maybe I'm going to die. And then you realize that that's just an attack from the spirit of fear. Now, I have preached this my whole life. Faith has always been the answer. Faith is the answer. Faith will always be the answer. And if we allow ourselves to be gripped by any kind of fear, then we're allowing ourselves to be manipulated by a spirit that's going to control your life in every area of your life. I am a simple man. I am not a complicated man. I believe God has given me a certain amount of days on this earth. He already knows when I'm going to close my eyes and see him. He already knows that. And my job is to fulfill the call of God or destiny of God or whatever label you want to put in it, is to make sure I'm doing what God's called me to do up until the day that he says, come on home. And that's going to be a good day. Christian, it's going to be a good day. Death is not a bad thing. Death is a good thing for a child of God. Now, you younger folks are going to say, he's crazy. And, and I thought the same thing. But eventually you'll come on board and you'll understand that God has everything under control. Things are going to be good. There's going to be a turnaround. As soon as the politicians get out of all of it, get out of the way, and, that, and turn the television off. I think that was a word from somebody this morning. Turn the television off and begin to zero in on. Because I'm telling you something, 
If you even watch news that you like, that you favor, even that gets in your spirit, and it is carnal. It is fleshly. It is earthly. It is not biblical. It's not the Word of God. It's not anointed by the Spirit of God. So if you want to know what God is doing on the earth today, get in your B-I-B-L-E. Spend a little bit of time, you know. Get off the Facebook and get off the Twitter and get off the, uh, the, the TikTok. I mean, Lord have mercy. Give them another week and we'll have a brand new one out there. I mean, people have lost their mind. I, I, was, I was driving down the road the other day, and a car almost hit me. And I'm like, didn't you see me? And then they got this phone right here. I mean, can't you put it down for five? I mean, just to get where you're going to put it down and get to the next spot you're going to. I mean, and they're walking through the streets like this. They're walking they're walk through the streets, cars blowing horn, almost running over them. And they're, they got their phones on. Some of you right now got your phones on. And you, and you put these, and we got, our hand is fit for the phone now. And it's like, what are we listening to? I promise you, you're not spending as much in the Bible as you are on the phone. There is no doubt about that. So put it down, turn it off, get rid of it, jerk the cable out of your house, whatever you got to do to make yourself focus on faith. Because if you focus on faith, uh, you're going you're gonna to be in the middle of what God's doing. If you don't focus on faith in the future, you're going to miss what God is doing. People say, when God's spirit falls and we have this earthly revival, and I've given you visions and dreams. I, I mean, I share with you over years of what God is showing about revival. It's coming, but it's not coming to everybody. It's not coming to everybody. It's coming to those who have really turned the world off, tuned it out, stand before the Lord, begin to fast and pray and seek his face, and then all of a sudden you'll enter into the spirit world. You'll enter into the presence of the Holy Spirit, and he'll begin to anoint your life, and you'll say, wow, I didn't even know that was taking place in the kingdom of God. And then when you hear news, you say, well, the earth is ending as we know it. America will never be the way it used to be. It is over. It is done. It is finished. It, it's never going to be like it. You, are you kidding me? The Bible said, the Bible said, as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and watch and harvest. It's never going to end. God's going to bless his people all the way through until the end of days. And we're not going out weeping, battered bloody, discouraged, broken, messed up, you know, fouled church. We're going to go out of this earth glorious and victorious. The Bible calls us a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. We are not like the world. We're going to be better than the world's ever been. We're going to be stronger. We're going to be more powerful. And the church is going to fill up for the glory of God. Every empty seat will be filled by the glory of God. It's coming. When people wake up one day and say, I've been lied to. My Bible, listen, the Bible says, by his stripes I am healed. By his stripes I was healed. By his stripes I am healed. It doesn't say, uh, except COVID-19. If you buy that, you are a dead Christian walking. All right, how many are angry already that I came today? You need to listen to what God's saying by His Spirit. You only put in you what God is saying. You need to listen. I got some very powerful things to share with you. I want you to hear what the Word of the Lord is saying. So there has to be a changing 
of the atmosphere. This is very powerful spiritual principle. I've studied this out many, many times. I've actually preached some of this in this church. There's probably nothing I have never preached. I haven't preached right here in this pulpit. But there has to be a changing. God cannot move in an area that hasn't been prepared for him to move. You need to hear that. Because in the very beginning, if you're going to have a revival or a, what I would label a move of God, how many know revival is not, it's just not loud singing and it's not running through the church and it's not, you know, it's just not dancing and all this carnal, fleshly, yes, put your flesh in your worship, of course, but that's not revival. You can't label, we're going to have revival, everybody, so show up. We're going to have a revival. That's a joke. Folks, it's a terminology that doesn't exist in the Bible. The Bible is very clear what revival is. Revival is very simply this. It is a move of God. It has nothing to do with you. It's a move of God. And when God moves, I promise you, you're going to know God's moving. And your flesh will respond in a lot of different ways. You could fall down. You could run around the church. I've been involved in revival literally I mean, all my life. I was saved at the end of the Jesus movement. And uh, I, don't, I haven't seen a day like that since in the last 45 years. So I know what a move of God is. It's a very powerful thing. It's so strong and so powerful that it's not just in here at an altar. It spills out into the streets and the highways and the byways, and it begins to touch people on the street corners that you walk up and your presence is so filled with God that they begin to weep and don't even know why they're crying. Or they begin to tell you what their problems are and you don't even want to hear them, but they'll just spew them on you and you'll say, well, let me pray for you. And you lay hands upon the sick, not only in body but mind, spirit as well. You lay hands on them and they recover and they say, where do you go to church? Well, I go to church over here as faith builders because we go there because, well, we get our faith built. That's why we go there. And then you bring people in, and every seat should be filled with the glory of God, and God continues to move, and we continue to spill out. Now, that's a move of God, and that's going to happen. No doubt in my mind, throughout the earth, no question in my mind. So there has to be a changing of the atmosphere. So what does God do? Before God does anything else by the Spirit, he always, before he actually created the earth, remember he created it and formed it, because there was nothingness. And before he actually put man, Adam, in there and created Eve out of Adam, before he even did that for man, he created an atmosphere for man to dwell in, to be an overcomer, to have fruit, to have power, to have authority. So we can't walk in the authority and power of God the way we would like to have in the church unless we fully let God prepare an atmosphere for him to do that in our midst. So there's a preparation time, and there's a time when God's about to do something that's so spectacular that you and I many times are going to miss this because we're just not ready to see what God's going to do. So God wants to, for us to grow, and he wants us to procreate. In other words, make other Christians just like us. So when the church becomes just an entity within the four walls and we never reach the you know, the person on the street corner, the drug addict, the down and outer, uh, people that have no hope at all in this life. Unless we're touching them, we're not touching the world at all. 
We're having service. We're having good church. We know how to do that. We can shout. We can, I mean, we can, we can have a ball in church. We know how to do that. But the problem is we get so professional having church that we miss that there are people that need to be free from what's holding them back and becoming part of the kingdom of God. So, you know, as you look around and you begin to see that the people, and not only in the church, but especially outside the church, are really in a place now to where they're hopeless. They're hopeless. You know, how many of you in your life for the past six or seven months, whatever it's been, since it was announced that we have a pandemic that really is unlike it, anything the world's ever seen, so bad that our country was completely shut down. In fact, the whole world was completely shut down and stopped. I never thought I'd see that in my life. Never thought I'd see that. I always wondered, I'm an end-time guy. I always, I've studied Revelation for the last 40-some years, and I, I love it. I love to see what God's going to do and all of that. But if you would have told me that this nation, this world, could be shut down overnight by a, you know, by a whatever it is, some kind of virus, shut down over something like that, I would have said, you're crazy. That, that, that can't happen. Or if you'd have told me that how can the Antichrist, who we know is going to come, the Spirit's already here, the Bible says that. That's the reason I can say that. How, 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 are we, how's the, how's the Antichrist going to shut down the body of Christ? We're so powerful. We're filled with God. We're the house of God. So how can he do that? You just saw how he can do that overnight, just like that. And I'm, I'll be honest with you guys, I love you, and I'm glad you're all here. But there are many, many Christians out there, tens of thousands and millions of them all around this country that are just they're, they're cringed in fear. And if you don't wear your mask in front of them, and, and it'd be nice and go ahead and put it on or whatever. But if you don't do that, they will attack you. People will attack you. They will hate you because they have got some kind of fierce spirit that's gripped their hearts that now they don't even know what's real and what isn't. And these are believers. I see believers on Facebook and other places that attack each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'm thinking, God, I've been around a long time, and I've not seen this happen like this. But it's always in the heart of man continually to do evil. And the only way we can overcome it is by making sure that we get in faith and we get out of fear and we set the atmosphere for God to move by his spirit. Somebody say amen. amen. So the climate has to be set right. There's a prepping for a breakthrough. God doesn't do things automatically. There's a prepping for a breakthrough. I heard someone say, well, all we got to do is just get before. I pray day and night until revival comes. God has done that. God has moved like that. And he may call a body of people to do that. That's a wonderful thing. But also there's times when God says, you know what? You people aren't getting it. I'm just going to come in and do it myself. And he'll just show up. And when he shows up, he'll just do it. I've had so many sermons put together and ready to go to the pulpit. And I would like, I'm going to go to the pulpit now and bring this word. And God's going to touch people. And it's going to be awesome. And I got it planned out. We're going to have this altar full of people. And we're going to minister. We're going to let the word of knowledge flow. And we're going to let the gifts flow of healing and so forth. And you have it all mapped out and planned. And nothing happens. And you're like, why? God, I planned it all out. But then there's other times when you literally said, I, am, I don't want to go to that pulpit. I don't want to preach today. 
I, do, I, I want to go home. I wonder if they'll just, you know, if excuse me that I just don't feel well enough. I'm a, I'll see you all next time. Or lean over, tell Pastor Paul, Pastor Paul, you take it today. I feel God wants you to take it today. And, you know, and you pass the buck to somebody else because you just don't feel like doing it because you just got nothing in you. You don't have an anointing. You know you don't have an anointing. Nothing about you is going to make anybody move. Your message stinks. You know it's not going to happen. Nothing's going to work. And then God just comes in, shows up, shows out, touches people, miracles flow, words of knowledge flow, healings flow, people at the altar all sprawl over the altar, fall on the Holy Ghost. You just walk by them and they, duh, and they fall down. And it's like, God, this is a sign. I'm coming next week and I'm not even preparing. I'm just going to show up. And then you show up not prepared, and the God says, you better bring them a word, son. I'm like, would you please make up your mind, Lord? I mean, in fact, you know, I had a conversation with God a few weeks ago about this COVID thing. I said, God, I know that you're up there, and you're very concerned about COVID-19. I know that you are gathering the angels of heaven, and you're saying, guys, listen. God says that in heaven. He talks like that. Guys, we got a problem down there. I didn't see this one coming. I, did, I took my eye off China for one second. I did not see it coming. And now we're in trouble. What am I going to do? Now listen, God has nobody he can turn to to figure out what to do. The buck stopped with God, and God knew that in eternity way back yonder. So he said, I got an idea. I'm going to send Jesus, my son. I'm going to have him punished for your sin. I'm going to put him on a cross for your sin. He's going to die for your sin, but I'm going to resurrect him. I'm going to bring him back to life, and then I'm going to let him teach his disciples for 40 days and then I'm going to send them disciples into Jerusalem, and I'm going to bring Jesus home to sit at my right hand and say, you know, you did really, really good. You did everything I told you to do, and it worked out perfectly. And then the disciples go to the upper room. They wait. They get filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. They're loosed into the streets. Thousands upon thousands and multitudes upon multitudes begin to come to Jesus Christ out of a backslidden guy named Peter, and God moved anyway, and God had this plan in store all along, and so God's not wringing his hand that didn't catch him off guard, and God said, oh my goodness, now we got a COVID to deal with. No, God saw it way back yonder before you ever existed, and he said, I'm going to pay the penalty for that sickness and that virus in the body of my son and those who will believe that and walk in faith, I'm going to raise them up and they will be a testimony in this hour to the glory of God. Somebody better get excited about God. <clears throat> it's crazy when you think about it. God knows. God knows. The news doesn't know. God knows. Dr. Fauci doesn't know. God knows. Bill Gates, 
He don't have a clue. He's a multi-tens of billions. Of, he doesn't care. He doesn't love you. He doesn't care about you. He's not trying to help you. Fauci's not trying to help you. Nobody's going to really help you because Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the very one that walked the streets of old Jerusalem and healed every single person to come to him by faith, and those who look to his blood as the sacrifice for your sin and for your healing, those people he still heals today every single time by faith he heals. Without it, you can't please God, so you got to get in it, right? Got to get a hold of it. Somebody says, oh, that's so much pressure on me. Oh, I have so much pressure to have to get in faith. <laughs> you, you, you're almost hopeless, seriously, if you can't get in faith because you have no hope without faith. You can hope, but it'll never happen. Got to get in faith. All right, that's just a warm-up. Are you ready now for what I'm 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. Indeed, it came to pass. When the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound, to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord. And here's what they said. For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. When, he, when they sang those words, that the house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house. I want to share with you quickly. I know there's just 12 of them I want to share with you, but they're not real long. But they're just packed in such a way that they'll bring revelation to your spirit as you hear them. You're going to hear them, and it's going to say, yes, yes, yes. And while you're saying yes, your faith is going, yes, yes, yes. And when it gets up here, you can ask whatever you will, and it will be done for you, and we're going to agree with you at the end of this, right here at this altar. Now, because this is how it works. We're not magical. My wife and I, we don't, we just come and we just deliver. We just deliver. And as your faith rises, as your faith goes up, all of a sudden you hit that place like, I'm ready. I'm getting mine today. I'm not messing with it. I'm getting mine today. Are you all here? Okay. Now watch, because this is what happens when you, Learn how to open the door of the supernatural. There is a door. You have to open it. Supernatural is on the other side of the door. You're in the natural world. Your natural world cannot satisfy you, can't forgive you, can't heal you, can't bless you, can't do anything. If you stay in this world, it cannot help you. You have to get beyond the door. When you open the door, then you step into a place of supernatural. That is where God really dwells. Now, I want you to hear that. So I believe the goals of not only this church, but the goals of churches around America and around the world today are beginning to adopt some of these things in their churches. And they're going to be the churches God's going to show up in. There'll be a lot of churches that's going to stay closed. There'll be a lot of churches the doors will never open again. They'll never open again because they weren't built on a foundation of faith. 
This church was birthed on the foundation of faith. Not only this church, but the first church we birthed 31 years ago on a foundation of faith. That's all we've ever done. We've taught about faith, about equipping people for the work of the ministry and building their faith to do the works of the Lord. That's our foundation. So I want you to hear this very carefully. The first thing God says, share with them, said there will be no hindrance when you get into this world. No hindrance. Now think about that. An atmosphere where the heavens are opened. When the heavens of God are open to you, there is nothing that you cannot accomplish. We all have seasons when we are pressed on every side. In fact, if you look at your life just the past seven months, by a show of hands, how many have been pressed on every side the past six or seven months? Raise your hands. You feel it. You know something's not right. This is not a God thing. God brings peace and joy, unspeakable, full of glory. When God brings a testing, and he does, and he brings judgment, and he does, and he will, the Bible says very clearly that judgment begins in the house of God first, and you are the house of God, so it's not the church building that God comes in and judges. He judges you. You're the house of God, and he'll judge you first. And if he doesn't judge you, he can't judge the world. So he judges you, not according to your sin, but he judges you according to what you're doing and not doing what he told you to do. If you're in faith, God says, God, I'm, I'm pleased with you. But if you're not in faith, he's not pleased. The Bible says that. See, somebody shout, the Bible says that. It's not my idea. It's what the Bible says. So stay with the Bible. Get off TikTok. Get off Facebook. Get off Twitter. Everybody's got their own opinion. It's amazing how many Bible teachers are on those things, and they, they don't even, they've never had a crowd in front of them ever. Never paid a price to be in front of people. But how brilliant they have become when they get behind a little bitty telephone. It's amazing to me. Somebody shout, no hindrances. We get pressed. We feel the pressure. We feel the darkness. It's real. It's not fake. It's not phony. It's real. We feel it pressing us, and it abounds many times in our life. But when the heavens become like brass, and I, in the past several, actually three years, I have felt like, where is God? Where are you, Lord? I have stumbled on the will of God. It's been so easy. My walk has been so easy. For three years, it's like, what? are you doing? It's like brass. I can't break through. How many ever felt like that? When you don't know what to do, don't do nothing. Because you'll make every bad decision known to man. You'll leave the church where God places you in, and all of a sudden you get out there and like, what the heck just happened? Because you're alone. You missed it. And now your pride won't allow you to come back and you get back into the kingdom of God. It won't allow you, so you miss everything when you get into a heavens of brass. Everything we get, we get from God, from a portal from heaven. Open the windows of heaven, God. Pour out your spirit. Pour out what we need in our life. That comes from heaven. Everything comes from heaven. Jesus has become our window of heaven. So it's all about him. So when you get into relationship with him and get a deep relationship with him, forget about ministry, forget about all this stuff, but just focus on him. And that's what we've been doing for three years, my wife and I, focus on Jesus. That's all we do. We don't know what else to do. So you got to wait. What do you do? You hang on. Jesus, I'm here again. I find myself waking up at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'm like, okay, here we go again, Lord. I'm going to list my complaints before you one more time. Maybe you'll hear me this time. And I'll go out on the front porch that I have, and I'll sit there in the dark. It's very spooky out there in the dark when nobody's out. 
and you're sitting there, you're thinking somebody's going to come around the corner of the house any minute. Sure enough, and either beat the daylights out of you or shoot you or something, you know. So you're sitting there in the dark, and you're saying, God, one more time, what's up? What's happening? What are you doing? Why can't you seem to break through? Why can't I see? Listen, these are experiences you need to learn in life. But this thing that's coming, the atmosphere that's changing, there will be no hindrances. There will be no walls. There will be no heavens of brass. There will be an open heaven, and God will pour out his anointing, pour out his blessing, pour out what you need in your life because it's so easy to become discouraged in your life. Second thing God said was, you're not going to have business as usual in your service, in your life. If you always do what you've always done, it'll never change. There has to be an atmosphere of expectancy, an atmosphere of unified expectancy, which means that before I go to Faith Builders this morning, whether it's first or second service, before I go to church, I'm going to pray all week, God, when I get there, you're going to be there. And when I get there, what I need, you're going to give me. And when I get there, Pastor Barb gets up here or Pastor Paul gets up here, and they're going to give me a word that's going to be exactly what I need to hear from you for, that, for this moment. I'm not looking into the future. I'm looking right now, God. I need to hear something today that will, you know, make my life just, you know, focus where it needs to be. You know, so when you come together, when you get ready to go to church, don't just come to church and say, well, we're going to sing some songs. We're going to come together with an expectancy Believing for things to happen. Believing for God to move. I told my staff uh, way back in the Bloit Church I started years ago, I said, listen to me, leadership, and I had about 200 leaders. I said, listen to me, if you can't come to church excited and expecting God to do something, maybe not for you, but for everybody else, if you can't come expecting for God to do something, then don't come. And maybe you shouldn't be in leadership. Because my wife and I prayed, when we were doing the church, obviously all the services, I would say, God, do something for the people. Touch somebody's life. Give me a word that isn't written down on paper for somebody that needs to hear from you. And if you do that, come with expectancy, you're going to see great things begin to happen. I believe that with all my heart. I told this church <clears throat> several years ago, I said, it's, it's expectancy shouldn't be that hard to muster up in your life. You say, well, you know, it's kind of the same people and the same pastors and the same message and same, same, same. You know, you, you got, that's a bad attitude. What's that song? You got a bad attitude. I don't know. Anyway, that's a bad attitude. Terrible attitude to have. And so, you know, I would, it, it's amazing because when you think about this, if I said to you, and I told this to you years ago, I said, if, if I could guarantee that Jesus of Nazareth in the flesh would be here next Sunday, right here, in the second service. He's not coming to first service. But if he came to second service, right here. He told me, guaranteed it, in the flesh, you're going to walk down that center aisle, and he's going to come up to this platform, and he's going to bring you a word from his own word. Do you think anybody would show up? I wonder you think that. Oh, let's play the game, okay? 
Jesus is coming. That's it. Period. He's going to be right here. He's going to show up right here in this church next Sunday. He's going to be here. If that word gets out, you won't get within five miles of this building. Just curiosity seekers alone say, I don't know if a guy's nuts, but I'm going to go check it out. And you would, you would draw the biggest crowd that you ever had, and they would come expecting, really knowing it's not going to happen because Jesus ain't going to do that. But nevertheless, they don't know that because they don't read their Bible because they're looking for a sign. So I'm going to go, and I'm going to check it out if Jesus is there. And they pull up, and they can't get here because the crowd's too big. But everybody came with expectancy. What if you came next Sunday, I'm going to go with expectancy. I know Jesus himself is not going to be there, but he will be there by his spirit because that's what he said. I'm, going to leave. I'm not going to go and leave you alone. I'm going to give you a comforter, and he will not only be with you, but he will be in you. See, some of you don't even know that. You need to know that he's in you. Think about next time you're taking a drag off of Mary Jane. <laughs> My wife mentioned Mary Jane in the first. I'm like, what, Mary Jane? I had a sister named, baby sister named Mary Jane. I'm very offended by that. I want you to know. But anyway, seriously, think about that next time. You know, sin would stop in the church immediately because you would like, you know what? I'm going to live for God because I expect that he's going to be there by his spirit and this place will be filled to capacity because we expect something to happen. That's what revival is. Revival is expectancy. I expect it's going to happen. Third thing is that there has to be an atmosphere and will be an atmosphere of supernatural. Why is that important? Because our God is not a common, ordinary God. He's not Allah, he's Jehovah. Um, let me go this side of the church over here. Hey, 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 hey. Truth is truth. If you don't like truth, you better go somewhere else. Now watch. For, it's not Allah. He's not Buddha. He's not John Lennon. He's Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He is supernatural. God is not common. God is not ordinary. Not my God. Not the God of the Bible I read. We come expecting. We come with the right attitude. And if you can direct your faith toward God, the real God, he will surprise you. He loves surprise. Listen, how many of you had children and you love surprising your kids? Man, I, that was the greatest joy of my life is I surprised my kids. I would I'd buy them a bicycle and I'd put it down in the basement, way back in the corner behind stuff, make them hunt for it. <laughs> go hunting that junk over there. What's over there? I don't know. Dad, what's over there? Go look. And they go look and they're digging through. And they see the, a bike. Oh, and they're, you know, go. And that 15 seconds of joy. In my, because they, you know, go out and wreck it, obviously, but 15 seconds of joy that I receive, that's what a father does. It's that, you know, that element of, you know, <clears throat> I'm going to surprise my kids. God wants to surprise you. He wants to surprise you with the healing, surprise you with the blessing, surprise you with finances, surprise you. He wants to be a God of surprise. You open up the package, 
You look into the heart of God that packages the word, and as you begin to dig in it, you find that pearl of great price. I've hunted. I found it. I know who he is. It's Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and there's no God like him. You can worship whatever you want. You're free in America to worship sticks if you want to. Do whatever you want to do. That's fine with me. But Jesus Christ of Nazareth is the real and true God of heaven. That's it. So the supernatural is very critical. Number four, no limitations are allowed in your life anymore. You've got to stop limiting yourself. You have to be in an atmosphere, now watch, this is very important, where anyone and everyone is welcome. And anyone and anyone and everyone can receive from God. Sometimes we look at disgusting people, disgusting, sinful people, people with disgusting sins, and you know what I'm talking about. And we look at people like that, and all of a sudden we've crossed over from a child of God into thinking like a Pharisee. And we have to understand, God loves those people. You may not like them, but God loves them. God loves them. So the atmosphere has to be really prepared so that people that are not really, you know, acceptable people become acceptable in the atmosphere that you prepared. Like Rahab the harlot in the Old Testament was a prostitute. In most churches, she's not welcome today. But she was welcome. Not only that, was she welcomed the kingdom God. She's listed in, in the faith chapter of Hebrews 11. Her name is in there. These are faith warriors, and her name is in there. Like, how did she get in there? I can understand David. I can get it, but what is she doing in there? She's there because an atmosphere that God creates is an atmosphere that welcomes every single individual, no matter what or who. And cause leave it to God to change people. We don't give rules to people that if you change this, then you're welcome here. That's not our job. Our job is to open our hearts up. Is it uncomfortable? It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable letting people in our culture in our midst that we say, oh, they're not exactly, you know, let them in, open up. That's the heart of God. That's what you got to get ready for because revival is really kind of dirty and you got to allow God to do it. Amen. Paul, the apostle, he's revered two thirds of the new Testament. He wrote, I love Paul, the apostle, but I don't think I'd like Paul, the apostle before he became the apostle. And his name was Saul. I don't think I'd have liked him very much because he was vicious he was a murderer. He was a persecutor of the church. And yet God says, no, 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 no. He's welcome in. I'm going to bring him in. David, King David, oh, we love David. David's our man. I mean, he's a man after God's own heart. Do you know that David is the one that said, you know what? I like the woman I see. I know she's married, but, hey, I'm the king. I'm privileged. He brings Bathsheba to his bed. She gets pregnant. He gets worried. He wasn't, he wasn't going to tell, you know, Uriah. But she gets pregnant. David says, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? I know I'll kill Uriah. And he had Uriah killed. This is David who we revere, who was a man after God's own heart. And yet in the church today, we probably run him out. God didn't. God brought him in. I could go on and on. Mary Magdalene, filled with demons. I'm, I don't know if any of you have ever cast out real demons out of people. I'm not talking about fake demons. 
I'm not talking about say, did you see that? They just got all shaky and nervous and fell down. They must be a different demon. I'm talking about demons that talk back to you in languages you never heard, in names you never heard. You're like, I opened the door here. I wish I could close. And the only way to close that door, you got to kick them out. And I could tell you stories, but most of you would, wouldn't sleep tonight. So Mary Magdalene, she was welcome in the church. Gideon in the Old Testament was a coward, a coward. But God says, no, you're a mighty man of valor. You're strong and powerful. You're one of my people. You can do this thing. See, God's, how many are glad God sees through the prism of the Holy Spirit? Think about that. I don't know about you, but I was a worthless human being before I came to Jesus. Worthless. You would not have liked me. In fact, some of you don't even like me now, and I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Can you imagine what I was like in the past? Terrible person. Not likable. Number five. I just mentioned some of it. I want to go a little further with this. A place, an atmosphere where people are important. People are important. Jesus shed his blood for all people. The gospel is for all people. The church is an open door for all people. It's not comfortable. I'm talking about, listen, I'm talking about revival here. I'm not talking about jumping, shouting, hooting, hollering, running around the church saying, I'm full of sweat. We had church today, man. God moved. No, God didn't move. You moved. That's why you're sweating. I've had those services. I know. Sometimes you're spirit. Sometimes you're just, hey, let's just have fun. I'm talking about a genuine move of God. Number six, no defeat. Somebody shout, no defeat. Refuse to be defeated. I'm going to fight this thing until I win. God is able to deliver every single time, all the time. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Understand that. You can do anything. Victorious living is possible for every single child of God. Not just a few, everybody. You all can live it. You all can confess it. You all can walk in it. You all can be filled with the Spirit. You all can speak in tongues. You all can lay hands on the sick. It's not for elite few. There's no few in the kingdom. Everywhere God's Spirit's poured out, everybody prophesies. Everybody moves by the Holy Spirit. Is it comfortable to leadership? No, it's horrible to leadership. Because, like, how are we going to control it? You can't control it. You say, God, do whatever you got to do. And shake it out. Separate the goats from the sheep. God knows who they are. Get them people out of church. God will move them out. He really will if they're bad people. If they're good people and you move them out, you're in trouble. I'm going to say any more on that. Now watch. Number seven. Breakthrough. Somebody shout breakthrough. Breakthrough, breakthrough man. We're going to push. And I preached this 25, 30 years ago. Praise until something happens. I've heard that message a thousand times from other people since. But I preached that message before I know anybody else did. I don't know. Maybe they did. But I think I did first. But who cares? Who cares? Praise until something happens. Breaking through. Getting to the other side. Don't stop before you get there. Get on the other side. 
We're not going to wait for something to happen, something to break out. We're looking at what has already happened. I'm not looking to make something happen. I'm looking to what's already happened. What has already happened? The cross. The cross has happened. I can't live good enough to get to heaven. I can't live good enough to have the the presence or the or the, or the glory of God in my life. I can't live good enough. If I could have lived good enough after I got saved, then I could have lived good enough before I got saved. You could do right thing, but you can't. God knows that. It doesn't give you a license to blow it because you can't. You should try. But I'm telling you right now, God, you're an overcomer in Jesus Christ, number eight. And this is one that people need to get a hold of because when his spirit happens, there is a... The, 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 the financial blessing of God flows. I don't like to preach on that a lot anymore because it's taken such a beating. But the truth of it is, there is financial blessing in the kingdom. How do I know? Because the Bible says so. He said, if I give, then God will give back. It's not one for one. It's ten for one, twenty for one, hundred for one. I've been walking this thing for 45 years, and I promise you, I have never seen a tither go without. Never. Never had done. I mean, there'll be some squeakers, you know, you squeak through, and there'll be the midnight hour, and there'll be that, God, where are you? That kind of a thing. But God will automatically somewhere, somehow drop it on you. Suddenly, it'll be a pow. There it is. How come you didn't do that 10 days ago when the bill came due? That's why they give you a grace period. Let me go over here and say that. That's why they give you a grace period. God's got your back. He's got you covered. So you got to learn that if I give, it's coming back. And you people need to stop functioning in your dysfunction. Get out of it. All right. I won't give you the stats because it'll, it'll embarrass you. Number nine. An atmosphere where the voice of God can be heard. Where the voice of God can be heard. Every child of God can hear the voice of God. One of the greatest prayers of all people of all time is, I want to hear God's voice. And the truth of it is, he's so ready to let you hear it. He's so ready to let you hear it. You say, well, if I, I just clean up, I'll, I'll, I'll fast for seven days and things will work out and, you know, I'll hear. No, you don't hear God like that. Uh-uh. God lets you hear him because he's full of grace. You know, in the book of Revelation, seven times in chapter 2 and 3, seven times, he says, this is a now word for the church, but seven times in Revelation 2 and 3, he says this to seven times in the Bible. He says, he or she who has ears to hear, let them hear. Let me ask you a question. Do you have ears? Do you got ears? Well, maybe somebody lost one. You can lose an ear. You can lose an ear. But it doesn't affect your hearing because the hearing is not the ear flap. It's the inner ear that hears, not your flap. I mean, know that. See, some of you got big flaps. Some of you got mud flaps. Some of you got little tiny flaps. That doesn't make you hear better. But the Bible is very clear. If God's speaking, then my job is to make sure that my ear is hearing what he's saying. So, yes, 
It's a now word for God because I believe with all my heart, and that's, that's the meat of God's word. I can hear the voice of God, what he's saying in this hour. And some of the stuff I'm preaching right now, hopefully all of it, but what I'm preaching now, you're, some of you, I know it takes a little while, but, but most of you are saying, here's what's happening. Inside, your face may not show it. You're not standing and jumping and shouting. You're not clapping your hands. You're not even amening, some of you. But... Your spirit inside is going, oh, my God, oh, my God. Did you hear that? Oh, my God. I could open the door. Hallelujah. I'm accepted. Hallelujah. God loves me. Yeah, he's just the way I am. Yeah, God likes me a lot. Yeah, this atmosphere, it creates something, and your spirit's jumping. Your spirit's like, your spirit's in agreement. Your spirit, man, on the inside, yes, 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 yes. And then your mind says, but how are you going to do that? You're not really good enough. You know, really not, that message is not for you. You realize. See, you got to understand that when God speaks, all he says is, if you got ears, he said, let them hear. Don't ever try to hold someone back from hearing what God is doing. Preachers that get this stuff, and the prophetic preachers especially, will get words from God, and they're very powerful, but they don't want to release them because it's not the season. Are you kidding me? Since when did you say that you got a season to release the Word of God? Jesus is the finished Word of God. He released Himself. But you got a secret that we don't know about? But I'll release it later when you can handle it. I had a preacher come one time. This is back in my real young days. And he's a big dog, one of those big dogs, you know, big name. And, and he says, hey, call me anytime. I'll come and preach for you. I'm like, oh, okay. So I called him up. I had about 100 people in the beginning. And I said, okay, would you come preach? Well, brother. You're not ready for me yet. And I said, oh, okay, I didn't know that. It's good to know. So I politely hung the phone up. I thought, hmm, I'm not ready for him yet. Okay, good deal. So I think what I'll do is when I'm ready for him, I'm not going to ask him. So the church grew, and it grew, and it got big. We became the fastest-growing church in southern Wisconsin and northern Illinois. God did it. We didn't. And we're just scratching our head. How, how is this happening? We don't know. We're just trying to keep up what the Lord is doing. We don't even know what's even going. People ask me, how did you do that? And I say, I'm trying to give them some, you know, great revelation word. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I shouldn't even be doing this. I should give the keys to somebody else. I'm not called to do this. But yet God just kept adding and adding and adding and just exploding, and great things are happening. All of a sudden, guess who's calling? Guess who never got to come? If I told you his name, you'd be like, oh, boy, wow. He is a big dog. But I had a lot of people that had great names that came through and were asking to come through because they saw the presence of God. Now, listen very carefully to me. It's very important that we don't get high and mighty. We don't do that. We allow God to move and do what God's going to do as we hear the voice of God. Number 10, no pessimism about the future. This is why this COVID thing has robbed the body of Christ of their future. Think about it. It's taking your dreams away and your hopes away. A lousy virus that Jesus died for on the cross and shed his most holy blood for, we have allowed to rob us of our future and, he has, and has put us, you know, in control of our life. God is in control. 
God's in control. God will fulfill his word. My job is to cooperate with him about his word. No pessimism. What is pessimism? A tendency to see the worst of things. Believe that the worst will happen. A lack of hope or confidence in the future. So if you're looking at, well, how are we going to get Is it ever going to be natural again? That is pessimism. God is not a pessimistic God. God is a straightforward, honest, truly honest God. And he tells you exactly what he said in his Bible, and he'll perform exactly what he said. He will never change his mind. He is not pessimistic. He gives us a spirit of optimism that I can do all things through Christ. I'm not pessimistic about the future. I know when the devil fights us this hard, I know the future must be so great that he is shaking in his proverbial boots. Number 11, an atmosphere of vision. Vision, where people can see the invisible and do the impossible. What do you see when you look at the church? Do you see the imperfections? It's amazing how we have always have people, that, and, they're, and they're usually people that we raise, I raise up. I've had more people turn their backs on me after I raise them up and give them a title and give them a future and set them on a straight and narrow and change their life and give them the opportunities, and they go and they speak evil because they had a better way or a better plan. You don't speak evil against people. I got three no's on that. Yeah, come on, help me out. Don't make me get real personal. All right? Now, this is, this is very, very important. When you stop and think about this, when you look at the church of Jesus Christ, at you all, and leadership, and people in authority, and you say, I see all the imperfections, then you have just said, I am like God, and you are not. I see your imperfections. I don't see mine because I'm above that, but I see yours. And if you just change this imperfection, God will do this and this. Who are you? You imperfect. I'll leave it right there. I was trying to think of a nice word. I just can't think of a nice word. I don't swear. I never swear. I don't. I never swear. I came close, but I never swore. I said half of a bad word one time. My wife, on the other hand, I don't know. <laughs> she said, honey, if you ever share that again, I'm going to slap you. I won't share it. She doesn't care. She's, just, she's perfect. She really is. She's perfect. Me, on the other hand, I brag about not swearing, but I'm a horrible individual. Anyway, the last one I want to share with you which is very, very important. I want to share this with you. I thought it was a really good way to end this. I'm trying to find out what else I wrote, but I can't. I wrote a note down. I can't find it anywhere. But an atmosphere of worship. Now, you hear that a lot. But I want you to know that when I walked in and heard Alex, and, and he didn't, he never took us, and, and not that it's wrong, but he never took us jumping and, you know, 
It's okay. Nothing wrong with that. Praise is awesome. But he took us right into the presence of God. I'm thinking, when is the last time I felt that? My goodness gracious. I mean, the churches we visited, I've seen big churches, right? We were in a big, massive church down there. Everybody said, oh, it's awesome. It's, it's incredible. We went down there. I'm thinking, did I come on a bad day or what was it? What is it? But I'm telling you, the professionalism and all of that was there, but there was a lack of that intimacy that is, it's just so hard to find it. But God's spirit, when he becomes released in his fullness, something takes place in, in the supernatural world. When true worship explodes in our hearts, great things are going to happen all around us. There's just something about it that you, it's just supernatural. It's not singing songs. I sing songs all the time. I, I, I got an office at home, and I, I got my music that it's my music, and I don't let nobody touch it. It's my music, and I put it on. It's from way back, years and years and years ago, and I put it on. And it, it may be kind of old-fashioned to some people, but I put it on, and I'm, it takes me right in the presence of God. It just has me in the presence of God. That's, that's hard to find, and so especially today with all the bubblegum worship that we have. Did I just say that, bubblegum worship? Anywho, forget I say that. I, did, I didn't mean that. I meant to say something much worse, but I said just that. Okay. So when this, when this things begin to happen, or worship begins to happen, see, God arises in our spirit. And the Bible says his enemies are scattered. So whatever you're facing becomes scattered in your life. When these atmospheric things happen and they are in place, not only is your church blessed, not only is this place blessed, but it spills into the spirit into your city and it becomes free. And whatever is binding up governments and officials that are vying for power and authority which in any sense is demonic. But when, there's a, when, when that's released from a church that worships, it could be, a, it doesn't have to be a big church to do that. In fact, most of them aren't not going to happen. But a smaller, when that spirit goes out, the spirit goes out, and it begins to break those chains. And you begin to, it takes a while, but you begin to see it. This neighborhood, it's better. You ever drove through a neighborhood and felt the oppression? I've seen some there. And then there's sometimes you drive through, it's like, wow, I, this is cool. This is light. This is fun. You know, that's what happens. When a church goes into an area, it breaks that wide open. And there's a worshipful spirit. Would you all stand, please? Sorry I kept you long. I see nothing but zeros across the back there on the time clock. So. And I have no idea when it ran out. I have no idea. But I want you to know that God is an awesome God. He has awesome plans for you, and your future is bright. It's beyond what you can ever imagine. So stop, please stop feeding your spirit, man, with, with these, you know, conspiracy theories and all this weirdness. TikTok is like weird as it comes. Weird as it comes. And you got to stop it because it's a body of people God's placed you in. That's where your anointing flourishes. 
that's when you begin to rise above. And you can feel it. Because nothing else brings peace or joy or freedom. It just brings turmoil. Uh, you know, if you agree with it, then it, it excites you. As soon as something happens you don't agree with, then it brings you down. So you're a yo-yo. You don't know what to do. But if you stay in the Word of God, stay in the Word of God, because I'm prophesying to you, the things are about to happen across this country that will revolutionize this country for decades to come. Somebody said, we must be on the verge of the return of Jesus. Well, you know what? I'm not going to argue with you about that. No man knows a day or an hour. I'm not going to argue. But he did say we know the times and seasons. And I'll be honest with you. I've been involved in everything since 1975. And I'm telling you truthfully, this is, this is not the return of the Lord. And I'll show you why it's not. It's because, and mark it down, because they, they said 2000 Y2K. This is it. It is over, Jack. I got it. I said, I'm gonna, okay, I'm going I'm to prophesy. And I got up and said, this is not going to happen. It's cool. And how do I know that? Because very simply, the Bible is very, very clear on this, that there has to be an outpouring of such magnitude, according to Acts chapter 2. There has to be an outpouring of such magnitude that the whole world is shaken by the glory of God. That is nowhere near happening. So God's more concerned. He's not concerned about, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back and I'll take care of business. No. He took care of business 2,000 years ago on the cross. It's our business, the church now, to win the lost. And when we begin to see that happen in a magnitude that we've never seen before, then you better start looking up because your redemption is drawing nigh. But the fear of the devil does not determine the return of the Lord. Very important. I just said that by the Spirit. You need to understand that because you get caught into that. You're going to be, if you're, say, you're 25, you're going to all of a sudden blink your eye and you're going to be 60. You're going to think, well, I thought that was going to happen back there. And now your faith is destroyed because you place time limits on God. Don't do it. Don't do it. Because nothing's going to happen in the end times except the most important thing, and that is the outpouring of God's Spirit upon all flesh before the end comes. That is the truth. So keep your eyes on that. When that happens, then you know, okay, we're getting close, very close. And it may not happen in your lifetime. I don't know. It's fine. Whatever he wants to do, he's in business, right? Y'all good? Now, if you feel comfortable, come forward into the altar. If you don't feel comfortable, stay where you're at. That's fine. You want to come down to the altar? Come on, very quickly. We're going to pray with you very quickly. Can I have the water, please? <clears throat> Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Good to see you all. Yeah, you don't have to be embarrassed. You want to stay back? That's fine. I understand. I get it. I wouldn't want to be around some of these people either. No, I'm kidding. Come on. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> God's about to do something so spectacular. Hey, Liam, how you doing, my man? Bless you, buddy. You're my, I'm your favorite. You're my favorite. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, you're my favorite. That's it. He always brags that he's my favorite. And he is, probably. 
God bless you guys. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for their, to being attentive to your word this morning. Thank you, Lord, for their humbleness of heart and spirit. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. That you are so incredibly wonderful. That you are so awesome. Many of us have faced so many terrible things in our life. And you brought us through them all. Through it all, we love you. Thank you, Father, for this body of believers. Thank you that the enemy could not destroy the church of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you are gathering the remnant together to begin to birth the move like the world has never seen before. This will not be something that a man can pound on his chest to say, look what I did, because he will have nothing to do with it. This will be you and you alone. Lord, I thank you for men of God, women of God, that follow you and serve you with a pure heart in Jesus' name. That you're so blessed by their lives. People that are bound in sin and even drugs and sometimes it's just religious spirit that has gripped their lives. But you love us all. Father, bless in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Pour out your precious spirit upon all of them. Let them know they are loved, that you desire their lives. In the name of Jesus, bless them, Lord. Touch them in Jesus' name. Men and women of God, imperfect, but after your heart. We're all here today, not because we are perfect. We came today because we are imperfect and need more of you. Pour out your precious anointing. Let there be a new outpouring and blessing in Jesus' name. Let us love one another from the depths of our hearts. Be a blessing to everyone around us. Let's not be judgmental. Let's not be hurtful. Help us, Lord, to say encouraging words and blessing words. These are our brothers and sisters. Let's be as one together. As I read in Chronicles, one heart coming together with us, one spirit. And then your spirit begins to fall upon us. Supernatural blessing. Father, thank you for these incredible people. Thank you for them. Hallelujah. 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 Let's just wait on the Lord just a minute. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Let there be, Lord, just a, a touch right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Oh, blessed God in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All oh, the presence of God. Only you, Lord. We give you the glory. Only you, Lord, right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. 
Yes, Lord. Keep the hope alive in your heart at all times. I'm going to tell you a story. We're going to pray for Pastor Barb. And, and I want to pray for the team, too, and the leadership, elders and so forth. But here's what I want to say to you. This is, a, this is incredible, really incredible, guys. My father-in-law will be 91 in a few months. He's just independent guy, sharp as a tack, lives alone, just a good guy. I've known him, obviously, for 55 years. I see him go from a very young man to a very old man. And he's lived a life that is just hasn't been as pleasing to the Lord as he could have been. Not a bad man. He just never really wanted the things of God that much. And he's getting old. He began to think about the things of God. Excuse me. I almost fell off there. Uh, a few things. And we would see him just about a month ago. I'm telling you this because I want you to understand that you're not 91 years old like he is. And yet, he, he couldn't, he could hardly walk. He's, he's healthy as a horse, but his legs, his knees are gone. He's had accidents, crushed knees and stuff, and he's just been a bad weight. And he hadn't ridden his bicycle. He's got a, one of those big trikes that the elderly ride. And he had one of those. He hadn't been able to ride it for a long, long time. He's got this dog he likes to take out for a little ride and stuff. And so we're sitting there, and I didn't want to be thinking that much about it. And my wife says, well, honey, would you pray for my dad? And I says, oh, you need to think about it. Because you look at somebody and say, well, that's kind of, you know, they're 91. How much prayer they need? I mean, they're going to go be with Jesus one of these days. That's how we, stupid thinking, but you think that way. And she said, would you pray for him? I says, yeah, of course. And so she gets her front, and she's kneeling before him and praying. And I just go behind and lay my hand on his forehead, and I felt it. I mean, I just had a tangible move just shot right through me. And I said, Father, give him strength in these legs in the name of Jesus. As long as he's alive, he should get up and walk. He should be able to move in the name of Jesus. And then we prayed a little simple prayer, and I laid my hand off of him. And he says, wow. He said, man, I felt that. And I said, well, great. That's awesome. And we prayed a little bit more. We talked to him, and we left. He walked us out to the car. We left. He calls later that day. You called him later on that day. And he had been on. He took his bike. He felt so good. He took his dog for two walks. Then he comes back. He said, I wonder if I can ride my bike. He gets on his bike, and he takes off. and take, How many times do you want his 45-minute ride on his bike. I can't. Listen. I can't even drive 45 minutes on a bike, ride 45 minutes. I can't even ride a bike. I'm embarrassed I can't even ride a bike. My wife says, like falling off a bike. I said, yeah, I know. I can fall off a bike. I was in Walmart store years ago, and I went, went to buy a bike. And I thought, one was sitting there, and I'll put together. I think, I'm going to ride this. Nobody's here. And in Walmart, you can do anything. They don't care. So I got on the bike, and I'm riding it, and I'm like, oh, my God. And I went I would turn a corner, and I hit a display and knocked the whole display over. And a lady was standing there with a little blue smock on. She said, sir, you're not supposed to ride bikes in the store. I said, I am so sorry. So I feel so guilty I bought the bike. <laughs> and I went home, and I couldn't ride it, so I sent it back. But anyway, prayed for my father-in-law. He rode that bike. God touched him. Why am I telling you that? I'm telling you because 
God cares about you. I mean, we could say, well, he's 91. Let him sit there and enjoy his television and whatever his programs. No, but God cares. He touched him. I'm like, this is stupid. I should pray for him all the time. He's so awesome, you know. But just to show you, God cares about you, and he cares about your health. And that's why this thing, listen, is it real? Yeah, of course it's real. It's hurt a lot of people. But the bottom line is, you've got to understand. You've got to get into the spirit of this thing and say, I am a child of God. I am blessed and highly favored of God because my Bible tells me so. And begin to exercise the authority and that faith in your life. God's obligated by his own word that he has to touch you. Think about that. But he wants to. He desires to. But you know what moves, faith, moves God's faith? It does. So if you got something wrong with you, even out there, if you got something wrong with you, this is my wife preached this morning, lay hands upon yourself, and it was amazing. So right now, wherever you are, whatever problem you got, lay hands on yourself right now. Wherever it is, lay hands on yourself. Now watch God move. Lay hands on yourself. If, it's a, if you're fighting with a cancer inside your body, lay in the general area where that cancer is. Now watch it because I've seen cancers disappear over and over and over again. So wherever you're ailing right now, just put it right there. Maybe a pain in the back. If you can't reach your back, just uh, get close as you can. You know, put your hand, whatever. Watch God move right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, they're laying hands upon their sick bodies in the name of Jesus. Healing right now. Flow like a river. You said they lay hands upon the sick, they will recover. And, Father, right now they're laying their hands on their sick body, and they're recovering in Jesus' name. Father, everyone that has a pain, that pain leaving now in Jesus' name. Father, right now discomfort all through the intestines right now. Healing right now in Jesus' name, Lord. The esophagus, God is healing an esophagus right now. Lay your hands on that neck. Lay your hands on your chest right here. In Jesus' name, God healing heart disease. In Jesus' name right now. Somebody's got a liver condition. Lay your hands upon that liver area right now and be healed in Jesus' name right now. Migraine headaches. I hear God saying migraine headaches. Right now it comes and it goes, but it seems like it's, it's battling with you right now. In the name of Jesus, it has to go right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Right now. Right now. When I mentioned knees a moment ago, somebody's got really bad knees right now. Lay hands on those knees. In the name of Jesus. Right now, God put new cartilage in those, in between those bones right now. Kneecap in Jesus' name. And bring a healing right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus, somebody is really being very, very forgetful, and you're worried about it right now. Lay hands on your mind. Lay hands on your head. In Jesus' name, command the mind right now to function the way God created it. In Jesus' name, somebody has a broken heart, very, very broken heart. In the name of Jesus, release it right now to the Lord. Let him heal your broken heart. In the name, God cares about you. He loves you. God wants to heal you in Jesus' name right now. Right now. Right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, God, we bless you. Now let's, let's just lift our hands and thank him. Lord, thank you. Thank you for touching us. Thank you for healing us. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. We give you all the glory right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.
someone needs to really come back to the Lord. It's not like I'm out in horrible sin. It's just that you've just gotten very cold. You've just kind of turned your back. You don't have to show anybody who that is. That's not important. But right now, if that's you, just say, God, I repent of my sin. Sin is separating you. Sin that's already been forgiven for. Think how ironic that is. The sin that's already been forgiven on the cross of Calvary is still hanging on to you because you don't repent of it. Just say, God, forgive me for that. Forgive me for that. And release it right now. Watch him. Release it. Just release it in Jesus' name. I am forgiven. I am forgiven. I am healed. I am delivered. I'm free. I refuse to be bound again. The blood of Jesus has set me free. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now you just take that and you go with it. That's what faith is. I'm taking it. It's mine. I don't have to feel it. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. It's mine. And I'm going to walk away with it. It's my healing. It's my deliverance. It belongs to me. In Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a big shout, okay? Hallelujah. 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 Pastor Barb, come on up here. Pastor Barb. Uh, elders and you guys, pastors, would you get around? Pastor Barb, I am so proud of this team. I can't even begin to tell you how proud I am of this team. They are absolutely incredible. And we're so blessed. You guys are blessed to have them. You really are. And they're blessed to have you. Father, in the name of Jesus right now, for this next phase that you're about to do, you're going to raise this woman of God up to a higher plateau, stronger anointing, speaking in authority. In the name of Jesus, every hindrance removed right now, never to return, free, once and for all to do what God's called her to do in the name of Jesus right now. Thank you for every elder, every pastor. We give you glory for them, Lord. They couldn't be done without this team. No way possible. Bless them in the name of Jesus. We give you glory for them right now. In Jesus' remarkable name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Pastor Paul, give Pastor Paul a great big round of applause.